I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Welcome back, guys. Matt Dixon here once again with the Purple Patch Podcast. And on the docket this week, serial underachievement, disappointment, and hopefully humiliation. Yes, we have a special guest, Ed Baker. You may or may not have heard of Ed, but I'll give you a little bit of background straight away. He was the captain of Harvard in the cross-country team when he went there. He went to Stanford Business School and, among other things, professionally, was the head of international growth at Facebook and, most recently, the head of growth and product at Uber. But the real essence of this story is that Ed joined Purple Patch just under about three months ago with lofty ambitions in triathlon. He hasn't really done too many triathlons yet, but he hopes to go well in the amateur ranks. He had a great running career. He's obviously then taken over with some entrepreneurship, business and family. Ed's got three kids and now he wants to challenge himself athletically. Well, you know what I did? I sniffed a chance at humiliation. So I invited Ed to join the Purple Patch Pros at our camp in Scottsdale. He could start his triathlon journey with our female athletes beating up him across swimming, cycling and running, just like the military, stripping down before we build him up. Well, maybe perhaps unfortunately for me, it didn't quite end up like that. So we catch up with Ed at camp and we're going to talk about aspects of elite performance, his experience of being immersed with world-class athletes and the parallels with some of the mentors and elite performers that he got to work alongside with and now these Purple Patch Pros, some of his lessons of performance and how he could have potentially thrived even more in the workplace with a few habit changes which now he understands with the benefit of hindsight. It's a good one, but first of all, I'm going to talk about residents. We like the way he thinks, serious with the wings. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes, the word of the week this week is residence. No, I'm not moving in. After all, you haven't invited me. How very rude of you. No, the word of the week is residence. But what does that have to do with performance? Well, what made me think about this was our recent pro results. We had a cracking first racing weekend of the season. Sam Appleton coming through and winning at Geelong 70.3. Laura Siddle just missing the win at Challenge Wanaka, a wonderful race, coming second just by 11 seconds. And Jesse Thomas heading down there from Bend, Oregon, all the way to the South Island of New Zealand to capture a great third place. Three great performances even though preparation wasn't magical. And certainly the rhythm of training for each of them for different reasons wasn't ideal. But Sam, Laura and Jesse had very rich physiological and emotional history of training. And all of those experiences had taken residence in them. There's the word of the week. They could draw on this for confidence, but also the opportunity to execute on race day. So many athletes work in cycles, these emotional cycles of blocks of training and seasons of training, where at the end of each one, they tend to just forget that anything's ever happened before. They feel like they're starting from ground zero again, rebuilding the house, almost like you build this wonderful project. And just when you're finishing to paint the walls of the bathroom, you strip it down and have to start with the foundation again. Unfortunately, what most fail to realize is that all training 
experience and wisdom and all of the decisions that you make in that training and racing takes residence in you. They accumulate both physically and emotionally. And that's a big part of the reason that when you look at a great and experienced athlete across any sport, they somehow manage to make it look easy. In fact, if you don't come from a swimming background and you head to the pool, I can only imagine your frustration when the big chubby bloke who only swims twice a week at the master swim group beats you up and down the pool any day of the week. That's because his collegiate swimming career has taken residence in his muscles. It's taken residence in his central nervous system. He can draw on that because of the layering of the journey, even though in his case, it's 10, 20 or 30 years later. And so I invite you to draw confidence on the cycle and on the journey and understand that training doesn't start and stop and restart again it's a cumulative. It's called physiological experience. At least that's what I name it. So while you might detrain, and while there's an element of use it or lose it, you must realize also that most of the global training that you do to some degree will take permanent residence on you. So lean into that for confidence and embrace the magic words of consistency and the journey. Because any coach worth a darn will always tell you that the magic words in performance include consistency. And so yes, patience is key. Patience is a must. And every overnight success takes 10 years in its layering. But where many could excel, they put barriers in front of their own way when maybe your training doesn't go quite as planned. Maybe you're going into a race and you've had interrupted training, maybe niggles an injury and people sell themselves short. Realize that you have a decision. You can lean into the confidence that you gain from all the training that you've done that is still in residence in your system. Lean into that, go forth and you might just be rewarded. After all, this last weekend, we had three of our pro athletes that did just that. And that is Word of the Week. Now let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Let's go. All right, guys, the meat and potatoes, and today I have a very tired puppy with me because we are sitting on one of the last days of the Purple Patch Pro training camp, but I've got a special guest, Ed Baker, who is not a professional triathlete, but has just spent the last week with myself and the team down here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he is just starting his triathlon journey, so he's been pummeled and humiliated throughout the uh, the week. Let me give you Ed's bio as we dive into this conversation around performance, and I think as I uncover the bio, you're going to start to see why I'm excited to have him on the show. So Ed was captain of the cross-country team at his university, Harvard, where he studied physics and chemistry. And following his journey at Harvard, he went on to work for some years at Bain Consulting and then Bain Capital, private equity based in Boston, and then launched, as many exciting and adventurous people do, into the Stanford Business School. And it was while he was Stanford that he ran in the Olympic trials for the marathon in 2007. And following Stanford, Ed started his first company, Friendly, and after growing that to 25 million users, he sold it to Facebook and became a part of the Facebook family, heading up international growth. After two years at Facebook, 
He went off to a company that you've probably heard of as well, Uber, where he head up the growth team there, became the VP of growth, and then after three years, evolved to also take on the VP position of product. So he's at Uber for four years. Now, he's moved back to Boston, and he's ready for a new adventure. I've had many people actually ask me, what's coming next for Ed? Well, today, I can make the announcement. I'm going to announce his next venture. He's gone from Facebook to Uber to now triathlons. A new journey is uh, paid for him. Ed, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. Super stuff. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting exploration around performance, both in in business but also in sport. Hopefully, so uh, so we shall see where we meander. But I think to set the stage, as I said, you're you're here with me in Arizona and the uh, the Purple Patch Pros. Uh, how's I'm your a tired energy? puppy. You're a tired puppy. <laughs> yeah. how's, how's your energy? <laughs> um, you know, I, I actually think I felt more tired a couple of days ago. Now that we're about seven or eight days in, I, I'm feeling better, which is kind of scaring me. Um, but I think as you were telling me in the, in the car earlier today, I'll probably hit that wall when I get home a few days later. Yeah. You've got, you've got <laughs> a couple of days left and then you'll come home with maybe with a little exhilaration and then probably hit a trough of fatigue, which is very, very common after any event of stress, be it, uh, be it positive or negative stress. So, okay. so we're going to find out how that happens. We're going to talk a lot about the camp itself, but uh, I think first of all, why don't we go back in time a little bit? Because I think to provide context, both for your professional journey, but also for your athletics, I'd love to know a little bit more about you. So tell, tell us, give us a couple of minutes on your story of growing up. Okay. Uh, would you like me to start with where I was born? Or Yeah, let's okay. go from the beginning. So, from the beginning. <laughs> so I was born in Seattle, um, and then at the age of two, my family moved to Taiwan for a couple of years. So I actually apparently started speaking Chinese before English. Uh, but then we moved back to California, and I grew up in the Bay Area until the age of 13, at which point my family moved to Jacksonville, Florida, which okay. was a big, big move across the country. At, at 13 at the age as well. Of 13. Was, that, was that a tough transition? At that it, it was. It was, um, it was a tough time to move. We moved in the middle of the school year. And I had to leave all my friends behind, and this was before the internet, so I, I couldn't just message them or uh, FaceTime them or things like that. So I really did have to leave them behind. Um, but you know, it, it was a it was a good experience overall. And after um, going to high school in Jacksonville, Florida, went up to Boston for for university, and um, stayed on the East Coast for a while. And then you've kind of shared my bio from there the progression from there so That's so right. when did when did sports come into it you you grew up mostly a runner yeah i did so i you know back in elementary school um we used to run the mile every year and i i did pretty well and that was the one sport that i i felt like i actually excelled at in some of the other sports i didn't have the the coordination to do as as well as i did with running so i just decided to be a runner so, and, and then you, uh, you continue through high school. Was, was there a decision? Was there any ever question when you went to Harvard and you obviously, you, you know, you studied physics and chemistry at, at Harvard. So there's, it's Harvard. There's a big right. load. Um, academics become increasingly important. Was it, was there a decision point of whether you were going to continue on with athletics there mm. or, uh, or was there no question you sort of, that was a part of the package? Um, you know, it's funny you ask that because I kept thinking that I would 
um, at some point stop doing the athletics. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when I was about to go to Harvard, I was thinking maybe I won't run there, but I talked with the coach before, um, before going there and I liked him a lot and thought I might as well give it a try. And, um, and I found that it provided a good balance to, you know, run and have something, you know, in addition to the, the school, the classwork. So, mm-hmm. um, I stuck with that and then I, I continued running even after college, even though I kind of once again thought maybe college would be the end of my athletic career. And, and, and was the, the team environment, because if, uh, you know, I was a, a, a collegiate athlete and that, that created a real, a really nurturing environment. In fact, my first real experience of, mm-hmm. of team and I think what sort of what you can do when you are surrounded with like-minded people it actually raised my athletic potential it also sort of raised my, my vision of the world was the was the team at harvard you were captain of, the, of yes. the cross-country team so was that a an important valuable part of your overall experience oh it was a hugely valuable part and um still many of my closest friends today are friends from harvard track and cross-country and so i think the the pain that you endure with your teammates um, and things you go through together and then also competing together, um, I think creates these bonds that it's hard to find anywhere else. And, and did, did you, did you find that academics suffered in that environment and the commitments are running or, or in many ways did you feel like that actually helped lift the academics? You know, looking back, I, I think it may have helped. Um, it's funny because there, there were a few periods of time when I would get injured or between seasons where I wouldn't have track practice or cross country practice. And I'd think, oh, I'm going to get a lot more done now that I'm not running. But I'd find I would actually be, if anything, less productive when I didn't have that same kind of, um, schedule where you know yeah. and and the workouts i felt like it provided a good balance there's the whole saying of uh if you want if you want to get something done ask a busy man that that's sort of part of it so so fast forward we'll move to your your professional career and obviously your your professional bio i would say is solid <laughs> 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 but um but as things ramped up professionally you continued running uh, while you're in Boston and actually into Stanford because you're at Stanford Business School, which is in itself is a massive commitment. Mm-hmm. And, and you probably, I'm sure, met um, all sorts of really interesting and inspirational people while at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Everyone I've ever spoken to that has gone to Stanford, um, and I've been lucky to meet many, a part of that is sort of the, the connection that you meet. Mm-hmm. But you actually did, uh, you continued running there because that was at the same time you were there, you were training for now the marathon yeah and the that's right trials. that's right so after college i i continued running and um i decided to start putting in higher mileage weeks than i ever had before so in college i was probably running you know in the high double digits 60 to 80 miles a week but never more than that post-college i i thought i'm going to train for the marathon and i started running 100 to 120 miles a week <laughs> and got into, I think, the best shape of my life. Um, fortunately, did not get injured doing that. But uh, it also, again, provided balance with, you know, whether it was the work I was doing at Bain Capital or once I was at Stanford, it was still nice to have that have that balance. And, and, and I think it's important not for your own gloating uh 
but actually to provide context of the type of athlete that you are. So just by obviously going to the Olympic trials, you you were running at a high level, but your your best time for a half marathon was 105. That's right, 105.17. 105.17, so almost 104. <laughs> what a disappointment you are. And, uh, <laughs> and then your marathon was 221. That's right, and that was back when it you had to get under 222 to qualify for the trials they, they, they've now lowered that standard okay okay yeah well you know yeah that's uh so you know it's, it's that super platform of of running and really running at a, at a very very elite level so so let's shift tracks a little bit then and um now you leave stanford you start friendly you you go on the journey that takes you through facebook to uber to now as you went through and obviously your professional life accelerated, it absolutely ramped up your, your, your positions, your demands on you, you obviously heightened. As you went through that journey, did you maintain the athletic mindset and, and, and actually yeah, to athletic practice? Did you really, was that always a piece of an important piece of your sort of performance globally as you accelerated? You know, I, I tried to keep it as a piece, but unfortunately, I, I was not able to do so mm -hmm. um, for much of the past decade. So, um, kind of after the after Stanford Business School and after the Olympic trials, things just started getting really busy at Facebook and well, my own startup, then Facebook, then Uber, and um, there were. I'd say for most of that time, I actually was not staying in shape and and running as much as I had before. And, and with uh, what was the biggest compressor that you had? Uh, what was it? I'm kind of done with it, burnt out, or was it simply an indicator of time? Yeah. So I, th I think at the time I convinced myself I didn't have the time to keep working out. I think there was maybe also a part of me that felt like, uh, you know, I've maybe... I've maybe passed my peak and mm -hmm. it's all downhill from here. So why even bother? Um, I don't know. I think it's a, it was a combination of things, but I found that as a result, I, it was kind of like what I told you in college when I would take weeks off from running, I don't think I was actually more productive and I definitely was not living as, as healthy of a lifestyle. I wasn't sleeping as much. And I think I, I actually lost out on a lot of things by taking that time off from, from training. Yeah. From a, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't change your journey. You've had a marvelous professional journey, but knowing what you know now, uh, on the, on the backside of at least that chapter, let's call it that, uh, are there things that you would revisit and change from, from 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 the physical training health and lifestyle that you think could have helped you perform better in the workplace sure i, I guess hindsight's always 2020 but sure. looking back i i think i probably could have done everything i did just as well if not better if i had figured out ways to keep that training time in there, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think, um, even if I hadn't trained at a, a super high level, even just getting in, um, a short workout five days a week in the morning before going to work or something like that. Um, I think that would have been possible. And I think I probably would have had more energy at work during the day. I probably would have slept better and just had better habits overall. Well, I tell you, you're lucky you're not a swimmer because, uh, you know, runners, 
Of the athletes that I have met, and I grew up a swimmer, most swimmers uh, overtrain so much that when they're done with the sport, they really go off the rails. They, <laughs> they, tend, to, they tend to add 50 pounds yeah. and, uh, and uh, never touch a swimming pool again. Although right. most of the runners that, are, that I meet, it's a lifestyle that they often come back to and they, they, they really never lose the love of right. running, which, right. which I think is uh, indicative of the structure of the sport. <laughs> so at least you weren't a swimmer, you would have really gone off That's the rails. And, uh, <laughs> Although I have to say, having been at this training camp this past week, I've enjoyed the swims and the bike rides more than the runs. And that's probably because I've been a runner my whole life and the sure. swimming and biking is more new to me. So <laughs> it's interesting. Well, well, let's dive into that yeah. triathlon. Um, why, why, what made you, what made you sort of make this, this decision? I mean, you're, you're lucky earned luck, but you're lucky to have the capacity to, to follow this passion for, mm. for, you know, it's, it's not a determined sense of time, but what was it that draws you to triathlon and really what are, what are your hopes and goals over this journey that you're going to take on? Yeah. Well, so I, I think it started uh, when I left Uber last March, the same week that I left Uber, um, another company I'm advising called Zwift, uh, their founder, Eric, uh, set me up with a cycling coach to test out using Zwift. So I started getting, I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. And so I um, started using Zwift and hopping on the bike, and I enjoyed it. And um, I found that the low impact of cycling um, made it a lot easier for me to do multiple sessions in a row. So I figured, okay, well, I'm enjoying cycling. Maybe I should try swimming as well. And so I went out to the Stanford Masters practices and um, got pretty beat up my first day in the slowest lane, People were <laughs> telling me that my feet were sinking and I was dragging an anchor. But, you know, it, it was another low-impact sport, which I, I, I kind of like as I'm getting older, um, not pounding on the body every day with the running. Sure. So that kind of, the combination of those things made me think, you know, maybe I should give the triathlon a try. Mm -hmm. And so then I realized... I'm going to need a coach. <laughs> and fortunately, I was introduced to you. And mm -hmm. more fortunately, you agreed to take me on. I'm still not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> it's a question I ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let, let, let's actually take a tangent on that. So yeah. you, your first thought was, I'm going to get into this. You've been an elite athlete. You've obviously been a leader of teams as well. Where do you see the value of a coach so so what am i to provide outside of a training plan where, where generally in general scopes where do you see the value of a coach yeah well so the past several months before i started working with you i was trying to train some on my own but i i really was kind of meandering and i didn't know I, I didn't really know what I should be doing. I didn't know what goals I should set for myself. I didn't know what races I should sign up for. Um, I didn't know if I was overtraining or undertraining. There were just a lot of unknowns. Mm -hmm. But not only that, I find for me it's really helpful to have someone when I go on a journey who can kind of go on that journey with me and who can, um, you know... It, it can, I think, be pretty lonely otherwise. And um, given, you know, how many hours a week 
you train for this sport. So it's, it's really nice to have someone there who can let me know when I need to pick it up a bit and work a bit harder, but also let me know when I should ease back and, and take it easy. And you talk about goals. What's the, what's the mission of your sport? You can, you can say it publicly and it, and it's not defined by race results, is it? That the reason no. for doing this is, um, is different than I want to win X. So, That's right. You know. and, and I think as I told you the other night, my, my goal right now and my mission is to realize my full potential. And I don't know what that means yet or where that will lead me. But I, I really want to, I, I want to do that. I want to be able to look back and say, I did the best I possibly could have done. And, um, and I'm going to need help getting there. Uh, but I, uh, I'm excited to see where that takes me. That's great. And, you know, it's quite, you, you say that, um, I want to realize my full potential in almost uh, the most successful elite athletes I have worked with. And interestingly, the most successful executives that I have worked with professionally, there is always a common thread of a thirst for learning and a, and a thirst for personal evolution or growth. Mm. And, and really that, I think that's really what you're saying there where it's like this, I'm doing this and I, and I want to grow to as much as I can possibly grow. That's right. Which, which is a much healthier and ultimately I, I'd say a framework of success to build within of which then you'll say, okay, we're going to target these events. We're going to mm-hmm. achieve hopefully these results and when they come to fruition, but the events in many ways become stepping stones. That's right. On the journey, as you mentioned, which I think is, is really important. And, and, and I think you, you, you tell me or correct if I'm different. I think that that is exactly the same in athletics as it really should be in, in the workplace professionally as well. For sure. I, I've noticed quite a few, parallels and similarities but i think that's definitely one of them being goal driven and uh, goal oriented you know and when i was at facebook and uber a big part of what we would do on the growth teams at those two companies was set a goal and say you know by the end of the year we want to be at this place we want to have this many monthly active users or have completed this many trips over the course of the year but not just have that goal, have the ability to check in frequently and and set some milestones along the way. So we would, on the growth team, every week say, okay, like how are we doing versus our goal and the trajectory to get there? And I think there are a lot of similarities in terms of, of training, which I'm... I'm still learning, but it feels like there are a lot of similarities. Yeah, and one one thing you mentioned uh, about the workplace the other night was it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Which That's is, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what I so ironically told the team when I talked yeah. about baby steps, not giant leaps. That's which, right. You know, you could you could go through. Are there any other parallels? Because uh, that that sounds clear goals with objectives that you track and measure progress and, mm-hmm. and refine understanding it's a journey that it's not yeah. a sprint, which I think are many mistakes people really make that mistake. Yeah, definitely. And you know, another thing you said on the first day of camp was how important the basics are. Um, the basics being just your basic training plan, um, s- strength, sleep, nutrition, just all of those, those basic things that makes up 95% of your performance and all of the other little details like what type of 
bike you have or you know all these all these things that you are easy to get distracted by that's just that last five percent yeah and i think there's definitely a parallel there in the workplace where it's a lot of times easy to get lost in the details and if you step back for a minute and say okay what's really going to move the needle here what are like the the three big things we can do to help us achieve our goal yeah um that's it's a good reminder like focus on those things don't get bogged down in all the details which is great and and one more thing before we talk about the camp which i, I want to dive into a little bit you said something uh, um the other day to me around uh, uh previous experiences at least athletically of distraction preventing full focus and i, I think that's a fabric of your your journey moving forward of this this chance can can you just repeat that because I, I found that fascinating oh well <laughs> i think you were just asking me kind of looking back at these different points in my life uh, are there things i i would have done differently if mm-hmm. i could and um again hindsight's 2020 20, but i i think one thing that i realize now having gone through some of these different stages is these journeys they have be a beginning middle and an end but when you're in the middle middle of that journey or at the beginning of the journey, it can feel like it's going to last forever. So it's easy to kind of take it for granted and and put things off and get distracted and just say, oh, you know, I can always do that later. But then when it's over, whether, you know, for me, it was like I graduated from college. I'm no longer on the Harvard cross-country team, so I'll never have a shot to run faster on that team. Sure. Or I'm done with my time at Uber and I've done everything there I could. It um, makes me realize there are ends to these journeys, and it makes me think, if anything, I'd go back and try to put even more into it while I'm in the middle of it, knowing that it's going to end at some point, and it's going to f- actually, looking back, feel a lot shorter than, than it did at the time. It's super, and it's, uh, you know, I think that professional athletes sometimes lose that perspective where it's like, this is a very treasured and short period of time that you absolutely want to maximize it. And it's only when you're done, like I am, I'm a washed up old pro uh, (laughs) that did a very poor job at a professional athlete career. Um, wow, there were so many things that I, that I let bypass me. And, um, you know, I'm left with, well, not too much regret because ultimately that I think that helped me become a better coach. But um, sure. but enough about me. I want to talk about camp. Uh, and I want to talk about two things when we talk about camp. The, the last thing, the first is actually your experience uh, before you before you came as well as sort of some of the stuff that you've gone through here. But also dive into a little bit around the team, the squad that you've been immersed into. So let's go back before the camp. Uh, y- you have done very few triathlons. Uh, you have just started training, really. You've I've just done one and a half. One I, and a I half. I did an Olympic triathlon a few years ago and then half of a half Ironman. Half of a half <laughs> Ironman. He is, he is half <laughs> of half a man, it seems. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but so coming in and I said, hey, good, welcome to Purple Patch. You are going to come and join my, my pros and come and train <laughs> for 10 days in Scottsdale, Arizona. What, what were your emotions prior to this? Uh, well, first I was flattered that you extended an invite to me. And then as I thought about it some more, I started getting pretty nervous. And I said to my wife shortly before I, I left for camp, I said, I don't know about this thing. I don't know if I'm going to belong there and fit in there. Uh, I don't know what Matt was thinking when he invited me. Um, 
And she said, oh, you've been working out. You'll be fine. And I was thinking, you don't know. You don't understand. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I was definitely quite nervous going into it. So have there, did, did those fears manifest themselves on the camp? How's the experience been? So, you know, actually, as soon as I got here, I, I was still nervous, but everyone was so, so friendly that I, I felt, okay, people are, are accepting this new guy. And, um, and after the first few workouts, I felt like one thing I realized is everyone's kind of doing this together. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some people are, you know, faster in the pool or slower on the run or vice versa, but we're all kind of doing this as a team, despite everyone being at different stages of fitness and, and that kind of thing. So my, my fears went away after the first day of training. Okay. And, and what, what have the surprises or lessons been over the course of the camp for you as an athlete? Yeah. Um, well, one is just the, uh, <laughs> the volume that we're doing every day, it's kind of new for me to be mm -hmm. doing, you know, swimming, biking, and running all in one day, multiple days in a row. But I've been surprised that my body has, seems to have adjusted pretty quickly to that. And I think some of the stuff I was doing on the rowing machine somehow has helped me translate over to that. But I've also just been impressed with all of the people here. And, you know, some of the, the, best athletes in the world are at this camp and they're all super humble, friendly. Uh, everyone has a sense of humor. And, you know, I was mentioning this to you earlier, but I feel like those are some qualities that I also found in the workplace uh, in the most successful people, you know, people who, who are humble and have a sense of humor and, and are just you know, friendly people that you, you know, like to get along with. Like, I think those qualities make people successful, whether it's in the workplace or, or in this case, uh, in athletics. Uh, I, th I think it's true. And I think from the outside looking in, in, in any organization, uh, there is, um, a perception of, of what it's like, but, um, even in an individual sport like this, has it surprised you sort of what a team mindset um, the squad has where they, they actually, you know, there's no infighting. Definitely. No, I mean, there's, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a team mindset here, which I think I didn't necessarily expect coming into it, given that a tri triathlon is such an individual sport, but I see people here are, are really supportive and, um, you know, just to give a few examples myself, you know, Laurence gave me nutrition advice the other day. Emily's hosting all these athletes at her home. Elliot made scrambled eggs for everyone the other day. And um, there's just support all around. Everyone's supporting everyone else. Um, so that's that's been really cool. How about the personalities of the, the individual athletes? Um, do, do you see any... Th these are elite performers. You have worked Harvard, uh, Bain, all the way through the journey. Obviously, Facebook, Uber. You've worked with many, many high-achieving people that are elite performers in the workplace. You are now immersed in a professional squad of athletes who are elite performers in sport. Are there any connections or traits or personalities that you see with 
you know, these guys riding their bikes around very fast and someone <laughs> being a fantastic coder or CEO. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, you know, and I've wondered how much of this is um, parallels across the, the sport versus the workplace or how much of it is is the people that happen to be a part of Purple Patch. But I've really been impressed with just how not only talented everyone is, but everyone's super intelligent. They're driven and hardworking. They're goal oriented. Uh, a lot of the same characteristics I would I would see in people who are successful in the workplace. I see with the people that are here at camp. So I I I actually f- kind of feel right at home with this group of of athletes. Um, it feels very much like people I would be surrounded with at the workplace. It's it's really really interesting, and I and I do think that there is a a small element of uh, purple patch, it just that, that this particular group of athletes that we have, you know, I'm, I'm going to be recording a show with three of our, our newbie pros, mm. uh, two that are just going uh, pro this year. So there'll be first year pros and then Cecilia who will be going into a second year as a professional. And when you read their bios, you remove the athletics and you look at their, academic bios with PhD in organic chemistry from Oxford and Columbia Medical School and marine biologists. And you think these are highly <laughs> impressive people. Right. And uh, the sort of stuff I can only aspire to. And it's like, oh, and by the way, they're going to be professional athletes. <laughs> and, and that's actually, I, I want to dig into that a little bit with those three women, because I find it fascinating that they are such high achievers at the same yeah. time. They're, they're able to, and have the quest to go on this this journey for a short part mm-hmm. of their life to to achieve ultimately world class performance, which is which is really really good. Um, well, Ed, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been very very interesting and really insightful. And I, I I will give you a a humble teaser. You know, it's I always I said the other day to the squad, praise with precision. In other words, don't just flower people with uh, with too much praise too regularly they get used to it and they become mutes to it uh, so I'm very deliberate with praise but I will say that it's it's rare that someone can come in and integrate and uh, and put forth their best effort but also um, do a fantastic job of, of self-management and uh, and so I think that you're going to have a, a fruitful journey in triathlon and uh, i look forward ultimately to help you realize your full potential and if we can do that i think that the results will be great but the thing i'm most excited about is the journey of that potential and so um so i think you're going to be a great part of purple patch and i and i thank you for being willing to to chat to us here about performance and i guess we'll have you on in uh in nine months time and we can see how the uh, see how the season's gone uh, that sounds great i know i i still have a lot to learn but i am excited to go on this journey with you awesome. thanks Matt. all right cheers ed take okay. care bye. bye well what a stimulating conversation it's so fantastic and one of the things that keeps bubbling up for me in all of these conversations that we have is the common thread of the great elite performers whether it's professional athlete or someone like a CEO or leading executive, is this wonderful thirst for self-improvement, never satisfied. And I always seem to feel like there's this humility in learning, 
the quest to actually go on and continue to learn. It's all about the journey and not a destination. Ed clearly accomplished so much, both athletically as well as professionally, and still now taking on another challenge and being willing to immerse himself in such an environment surrounded with athletes that are better than him in the pursuit of improvement. It's so much fun. If we think about the last few episodes, some fantastic, rich content in there. Dr. Chris Winters talking about sleep. I think it's one that's a non-negotiable. You've got to go back and listen to it. And equally, the inspirational discussion that I had with Carmel Galvin, overcoming so many fears and great adversity to find her recipe of how to thrive, both athletically as well as in life. I think that's a wonderful episode. Upcoming next... We've got the big topic of recovery. It's a chance for me to shine. I'm going to talk about what recovery means to me and give you some actionable steps to frame how you can actually implement it into your life. So a bit of a tutorial for you next week. We've got some cracking guests coming up. I'll tell you about them next time. Until then, take care and thanks for joining.